I want to preach to you tonight on, um, I, I don't think I'll be able to finish it tonight, and maybe I'll finish it in, in uh, a week or so, but I want to preach to you tonight on something that's been resonating in my heart that I feel is uh, something that, um, it, it's, uh, it's something that is super important to me, so I want it to be important to you because I, I've been thinking about um, friendships and the people around me and what draws me to certain people that I want to invest my time into versus somebody that I don't want to invest time into. How many of you know you have a limited amount of time in your life, right? And you can invest your time into people that you'll never see anything out of it. It's just going to create trouble and strife and difficulties. How many of you have ever been stuck in a situation like that where you've invested time the rest of your life? All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've done that before. Uh, and uh, I was thinking the other day about some of my own friends and what is it about them that draws me to them? And I've been thinking about this actually for a couple months. And I, and I realized something uh, the friends that were the closest to me, the one thing that they had in common, it wasn't just that they love Jesus, because I have some friends that don't net, yet know how much Jesus loves them. It wasn't that they were funny or they were smart or they were good looking or they were rich. They were definitely not rich. Trust me. It wasn't any of that. I found out that the thing that united them all was one thing, and that is they were authentic. I felt like when I was with them that they really were who they, who they really were. And even in their faith, most of them knowing the Lord, even in their faith, they were real and authentic with their faith. And when they struggled, I knew they struggled because they were open about it. And when they were on the mountaintop, I knew they were on the mountaintop. When they were in the valley, they were in the valley. And they were so, so authentic with me and with those around them that, that, that there was something, there was safety in them being authentic. There was safety in how genuine they were with me. And I wanted to be around them because I knew I could be myself. They knew they could be themselves. And in that, there was a safety and security and trust built that you can't get any other way. And I started to think about this in the context of a relationship with one another and a relationship with the Lord. And I found that there's actually power in authenticity. So if I'm titling this message tonight, it is the power of authenticity. It is the power found when we become authentic with the Lord and when we become authentic with each other. I, uh, I found the story. I was looking up different things, and I found the story that I thought was really interesting. But there was a, um, there was a woman who, who had pulled up to a light, and there was a guy in front of him, and he was texting on his cell phone. Not that any of you do that, Right? And he was uh, adjusting something down here. And that red light turned green. And he was in the middle of the text and wasn't paying attention. And after about three or four seconds, this woman in this car behind him started beeping the horn and going crazy. I mean, just, she just, you know, she started laying on it. And uh, he didn't know what was going on and didn't pay attention. And by the time she got his attention, she's screaming obscenities, yelling, beeping her horn. He finally realized this lady was trying to tell him to look up at the light. He looks up at the light, and it just turned yellow. So he starts going. He gets through that yellow light. The light turns red. And guess who's stuck there at that red light again? <laughs> Miss Yelly Pants. Right? Has it ever happened to you before? Hopefully you weren't the one screaming and yelling. Anyways, she's screaming and yelling hollering. Well, just about the time she got done screaming and yelling and made her even more mad that she was at a red light, police officer pulled up behind her. He went up, knocked on her door, said, ma'am, I need you to step out of the car. She was pretty red-faced by this time. She was upset, and 
He slapped the cuffs on her, stuck her in the back of the the uh, police squad car and took her downtown. Now, it's not a, uh, you, you usually don't get arrested for yelling, but this cop arrested her. She couldn't figure out why. She's sitting in the cell. She couldn't figure out why, what, what was going on. So finally, they came to her in her cell and they said, all right, we're sorry. Um, the same police officer that arrested her took her out of the cell and brought her up front. The policeman handed her a bag that had her things in it and said, I'm sorry for the mistake, ma'am, but you see, when I pulled you over um, and pulled behind you, uh, you were beeping your horn, you were screaming and cursing and yelling, and I saw and noticed that you had a Choose Life license plate holder, you had a Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker, and you had a chrome-plated Chris, Christian fish emblem on your trunk, so naturally I assumed that you must have stolen the car. <laughs> but I was wrong, so here are your things back. <laughs> now I tell you that story because... Um, I don't even know that sometimes Christians aren't exactly who they say they are. And it's amazing because as soon as somebody that is, um, I, I don't like the terms that we've been giving for this stuff, but as soon as somebody who's an unbeliever, who isn't saved, who doesn't know the Lord, who's out there, as soon as they, something inside of them begins to click and they begin to seek for truth, Usually it just starts with them seeking for truth. They don't know what they're seeking for, but they just want something more than they currently have. Know that they need something more than they have. It's amazing how heightened their ability to see something that is fake from a mile away. And we've missed, and I say we, I mean we, we've missed countless opportunities at reaching people that had a genuine desire Seeking for truth, seeking for real love, seeking for something that, that ministered that they could really sink their teeth into and grab a hold of. And it wasn't something that was just thin air or a mirage in the desert. And we've missed it because we really, really, really weren't who we said we were going to be. And, and I, I, I found that, that when, when you talk and you do the research and you look, do you know the number one, I think there was two actually, two characteristics that I found... See if I wrote that down. Otherwise, I'll have to remember off the top of my head. There's two characteristics that I found. Um, two characteristics that I found that were the top of the list when people were polled. All people, not people in the church, not people not in the church, just all people. When people were polled and they were asked, what are the two biggest kind of like deal breakers when it comes to you and relationships with people? And they found that dishonesty, I think, was number one. And the other one, I think, was not being genuine. It's fake people. I mean, that was one and two. The characteristics that tell somebody, I don't want to be around them. Now, if, if in trying to reach the world around us, we're perceived that way. Sometimes it's a perception, sometimes it's reality. But if we're even perceived that way, and we're doing everything we can to to reach them, but we're even perceived that way, it's literally lights out, it's over, you don't have a shot. Because people are, there is something inside of the hearts of every man, woman, and child that wants something real. Anytime we're at Disney World or anything that we're at, a theme park, whatever it is, even certain holidays, I won't get into that, I think most of the kids are gone, but certain holidays. My daughter always asks me one thing about the characters dressed up in their suits or their this or their that. Dad, is he real? Is she real? 
Is that the real Pocahontas, Dad? She doesn't want no fake Pocahontas. You can't have a fake Pocahontas. You can't have an imposter Pocahontas. She wants to know, is that the real one? Is that the real Mickey, Dad? Is that the real Donald Duck? Come on, how many of you have kids and know that to be true? There's something inside of us that wants the real thing. I, uh, let's turn to Matthew 5. If we can, if you have um, Matthew 5. And we're going to do um, Casey 14 through 16. And the NASB, and then we're going to do it in the message too. Um, there's a great, uh, he was a reporter in Chicago. You might know his name because he got saved and started writing all these great books. How many of you ever heard of Lee Strobel before? He's the one that wrote Case for a Creator. He wrote Inside the Mind of the Unchurched Harry and Mary. He wrote all these great books and did a lot of research about creation and, and the creator and a case for God and all this great stuff. Um, he, he recalled in his book, um, he said, in that book, Inside the Mind of the Unchurched, he said, when I walked into church as a skeptical unbeliever, my hypocrisy antenna was scanning the place for signs that people were just playing church. How many of you know that people come every Sunday and they walk in here and their antennas are up and they want to know, are these people for real? That's the number one thing going through their mind. I'd like to think they're thinking, is the band good? Are they in key? Does the message make sense? Is it too long, too short? All the things that we worry about, right? Getting good and preaching good messages and having the right atmosphere. I'd like them to think they had the right amount of haze, not enough haze, really nice lights, not nice. I'd rather them be that way, right? That's easier because we can control those things. But the, the number one thing running through somebody's mind that walks through these doors, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the second time, is are these people for real? That's it. And if, and if we can create a culture, an environment where we're, we're real with one another, we're real with the Lord, and we're real with the person coming in the door, we're going to answer the number one problem that people have with the church. Right? Oh, some of you guys are like, I've never, ever thought that. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets healed. Somebody gets touched. Somebody has something, some sort of great experience with God in their life, and you're not having the same experience. I don't care how long you've been saved or how long you've been in the church. The first thing that goes through your mind is, are they really healed? Is that God or is that their emotions? We just think about it in religious terms. But when you don't know the Lord, you walk into church and you don't know anything about him or scriptures or Bible, whatever. The first thing in your mind is, is this all real? Those people up front screaming, dancing, and singing, is that real? That's what's going through their minds. And he says, um, in fact, I was aggressively on the lookout for phoniness, opportunism, or deception. Because I felt that if I could find an excuse for rejecting the church on the grounds of hypocrisy, then I could feel free to reject Christianity as well. Right? If I could reject this based on the grounds of hypocrisy, if I could just find one among them that's not legit, is not serious, is not being genuine, is not being authentic, then I can just generalize this whole thing, throw it out the window, and continue my search for something, whatever I'm looking for. I found this quote, this gentleman wrote in a book, he said, Christians are, are to be good news before they share the good news. Now there's a, that'll kick you in the pants, right? I, 
I'm, I'm going to get to the scriptures, those of you that are getting nervous. But let me tell you something. We are not just to believe the good news, but we are good news. I can't tell you. I, I, without, without stepping on anybody's toes, I, I have over the years been around some folks that are saved. And there is not one piece of good news that they bring with them. It is gloom and doom and death and the world's coming to an end and this is too loud and that's too soft and the air is too cold and somebody took my parking spot and sister so-and-so has the same scarf on as me and you're a guy, which is weird. And, <laughs> and it's like, is there anyone you've ever met? Please do not look at your spouse when you answer this, okay? Is there anyone you've ever met before that you just, you just, when you were around them, the negativity, you just, you can't take it anymore? Right? But you know, how can we say, hey, I've got good news to tell you? And the person's like, really? Because in their mind, they're thinking to themselves, I've been around you for three years. You're the last person that has good news. The worst thing you can ever hear is when you go to just to share God's love with somebody, and you're like, so yeah, um, I like go to church, I'm a Christian and stuff. They're like, really? Oh, don't act like it hasn't happened to you. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Casually, I mean, I go all the time, but I go. But it's like, sometimes I can spot a Christian from a mile away because they look miserable. I'm just being for real. I'm being authentic. It's true. I'm sorry. If that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you, all right? It's true, though. I can go into the mall, and not, I can just not, I cannot just pick out Christians. I can tell you what denomination they are. Try me. Come sometimes. But here's the deal. For everyone I get right, you have to give $10 to the church. Test me. 50, 50 apiece, especially if I nail the really small denominations, you know what I mean? Seriously, it's, it's bad, right? But we have to be the good news. I love this scripture in Matthew, if you've gone there already, Matthew 5. This is really what I want to communicate in this message. It says, you are the light of the world. I could end the sermon there. You are the light of the world. Boy, if I see you walking down the mall and it doesn't look like a light, we're not doing it right. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, you want your mind blown? I'm going to read the message translation because it's fun and has a little bit more. It's, it's a paraphrased version of the Bible that has some super contemporary phrasing. And so this might help you a little bit more. And the message actually starts with saying, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. And it's got an exclamation point. Shine. 
Like, hey, I've created you to be a light. I've stuck you on a light stand. Picture this in your mind, on a hill. On top of the hill, on top of a light stand. I have elevated you and put you in a position for people to see who I've created you to be, for you to shine, to reach as many people as possible. And then he finishes with, so shine already. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Now, this sounds an awful like, awful lot like our New Year's resolution. It says here, listen to this. It says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. If you shine your light on others and Guys, our light looks like love. It looks like hope. It looks like it's peace. It looks like help to those that need help. It looks like, he said, they'll know you by your good works. It looks like good works. It looks like doing something for the person next to you, showing them the authentic love and response from heaven through your life. That's what we're talking about. That's what this light is. Showing your light to the person next to you, it says, through that, you'll prompt people to open their hearts to God. See, sometimes we get it backwards. We think, well, it's their responsibility. It's between them and God if they open their hearts. Well, how about you try to love them? I know that's a crazy idea, right? Shine your light, who God's created you to be, living righteously, living right before him, being different from the people around you, loving your neighbor, going out of your way to help somebody, uh, thinking of yourself last, preferring others. Be the light that the world is looking for in an authentic way, not with some sort of motive, not with a, a quota in your mind, not with something that, that is just causing you to do it out of all, but do it because of your love for one another, your love for humanity, your love for God. And in that, it says, they'll open their hearts to me. They'll open their hearts to me. They'll open their hearts. They'll give me a shot, give me a chance. I know it sounds silly that the God that created the heavens and the earth, the one that, 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 you know, plucked the stars and put them into place, the one that created the flowing rivers and the sands of the sea. I know it sounds crazy that he set things up here on the earth so that he did this stuff through me and you. I mean, if you look in the mirror and realize, really, Lord? You want to put this semi-pregnant man? <laughs> on a light stand, on a hill. This is what you want to do? <laughs> now, now, I'm not even going to repeat that. He said it, he said it better be an industrial heavy-duty strength light stand. <laughs> Any of you that want to write him hate mail, I will give you his email after service, all right? And not the office at Harvest Tab. I'm talking about the real one. You know what I mean? All right? <laughs> but then I wouldn't be letting my light shine. <laughs> but I wrote this down earlier, and I put it out on Facebook for those of you that were interested in what I was preaching tonight. I wrote this down thinking about this scripture. Authenticity always corrects and transforms false perceptions. If people are seeing you a certain way, it probably means you're not being authentic. And authenticity has a way of correcting those things, has a way of transforming people's false perceptions of you, and it has a way of transforming their perceptions of him. That's the best part. It's not just about what they think of you and me. 
right? But it's about transforming their perceptions of who he is because they see him through us. See, it's our, it, it, it's, it, we're the ones having the opportunity to shine, but they're seeing his light. They really are. It's him they want to know. They encounter something real and authentic through me and you. There was a, uh, I love this story. I'm not even looking at the time. 836, whoa, we got time. There was a story of this colonel who was newly promoted. And if you've ever been around the military, you've been around colleges, the worst thing in college is to have a new doctor teaching your class, a new PhD. Boy, those new PhDs, you know, when they have them for 30 years, they don't care if you call them doctor. But the new PhD, I had this one lady who was a new PhD. I don't even remember her name. I blocked it out of my memory. It was, it's a repressed, angry memory. But I remember I took British and American literature by women. It was all stuff written by women, which is great. Okay, no one get offended here. But it was British and American literature by women at 7.30 in the morning. If you all have ever seen what I look like at 7.30, it represents how I feel and it's not good. 7.30 in the morning, because it was the last class it was the only class I could take my last semester. I took 21 credit hours while I was working at a tax service 45, 50 hours a week, while I was renovating a house, while I was planning a wedding. Now it all makes sense because I want to get married bad. And so in the middle of all this, I had to take this class. It was, the, it was the only class they offered during that semester at USF in Sarasota at the time that would fulfill my requirements to graduate. And it was British and American Literature by Women by a brand new PhD, and it was a morning class at 7.30, and the entire class was mid-45 to mid-55 ladies, most of who had been married and divorced, and were not, men were not exactly high in their ranking profile, if you know what I mean. And I was the only guy with no sense None. Antagonistic as all get out. And so we were reading all of these, you know, these pioneers of the feminist movement and all this literature. And, and some of it was great and some of it was weird, but it was all great and uh, interesting. And so we're reading this stuff and me with my big mouth got in trouble so much because this doctor, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but this doctor did not like me for good reason, probably. And the first time I called her by her name and not Dr. So-and-so, she called me to her desk and she says, I want to correct you. My name is Dr. Smith or whatever it was. I said, I'm sorry, Dr. Smith. And she says, let me tell you something. You remind me of Joey from Friends. And she said, I don't like you, and it would give me pleasure to fail you. And she said, if you miss one class, I know you have four absences, but if you miss one of my lectures at 7.30 in the morning, and I will lock that door at 7.30, if you're not here by 7.30 every morning, I will fail you, and you will not graduate. I was like, Lord. <laughs> I passed. I think it was the only college course that I got an A in. Because it was a challenge, and that's probably all I needed. But there was this colonel, same situation, brand new colonel. And the story goes that he moved into his new office. And uh, he wanted to act big and important. And he was sitting at his desk. He wanted to act big and important to all his troops. And there was a lowly private that was walking in. He saw him walking up the hallway and coming into his office. 
And so he grabbed the phone real quick and wanted to act like he was important because he's a new colonel. And he grabs a hold of the phone and he says, yes, general, absolutely, general. That sounds like great plans. I'm going to get on that. Yes, general, we can have lunch tomorrow. Absolutely. That would be great. And he hung up the phone and the private was standing there watching and kind of looked sheepishly. And he says, what do you want, son? And he says, um, uh, colonel, I'm, I'm here to hook up the phone, sir. <laughs> You know, God really is challenging us. God's really challenging us. You don't know who's watching you, and you don't know who's paying attention, and you don't know whose salvation and, and whether or not they open their hearts to God is depending on whether or not you're just the real deal, and you're authentic, and you're who God created you to be. God created you so unique and so wonderful and so amazing. Be you. And be who God created you to be. I don't care about the religious pressure. Be you. And if you be you and fall in love with him and listen to his voice and his commands for your life, you're going to be the most lovable, liked, enjoyable person that anyone could be around. Romans 12, verse 9 says this. Somebody in the back said, I was that private. <laughs> Romans 12, 9 says this. We're going to do verse 9 through 16. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. And this is where I'm going to tie it into my theme for the last couple of weeks and our theme together in Dad and I. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Let love be without hypocrisy. And I love this version. It says this. I'm going to read the exact same scriptures to you. I want you to really get the heart of this Matthew 5 and this Romans 12. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. <laughs> I have so many funny stories when I'm through my mind, but we're running out of time. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to what is good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing the second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in your hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Lady at the stoplight, except she didn't do it under her breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with the nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. I mean, if we just took that, it would transform 
this church, it would transform the churches, it would transform our community, it would transform our relationship with each other, our transform our relationship with the Lord. This would transform everything. I know some of you might be thinking to yourself, why are you preaching this? Because I want us to be the type of place where somebody can walk through the door with anything going on in their life and they experience the kind of warmth and love and authentic, genuine expression of who he is that they've ever experienced in his life. That's what I want. When I preach this, it's not at you, it's all of us together. It's something I want to create amongst us all. It's something I want all of us to work on. Something I want to get in our hearts and in our minds. Something I want our Sunday school teachers to grab a hold of and, and those that are running Harvest House and those that are helping with our housing programs and those that are running our office and those that are doing our media. I mean, if you're typing a keyboard, if you're clicking a mouse, if you're sweeping a floor, let's do it authentically. Let's do it in a way that represents him. And I thought about, you know, there's no, there's no more authentic of an expression of his love than what he did on the cross. That was not pretty. It was so real. It was so graphic. It was so intense. It was so above and beyond. He could have died and not gone through that. But it was such an authentic, genuine, real. There was nothing fake about it. You couldn't put a nail through his hand and fake it. You couldn't pierce his side and fake it. Couldn't shove that crown of thorns into his head and fake it. He's not asking us to do something he didn't do a hundred million times bigger and more expressive and more amazing than we could ever imagine. He literally, on the cross of Calvary, he, he absolutely, he gave us the Webster's Dictionary of uh, a definition of what it looks like to love authentically. He gave everything in a way for the world to see. I thought about this today, and I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a parallel in the Bible. I'm not the greatest theologian. But I thought, you know what? Because he exposed him, he exposed his wounds and everything that he went through publicly on a hill, he can make us a light on a hill. Because he was willing to die a public, brutal just be mocked in front of everybody, in front of the important people of the community and the towns, in front of his loved ones, to die a slow, cruel death on a hill for us. It opened the way for you and I to be on a hill and be a light, shining. It's what made it possible. It was the ultimate expression of what it looked like to be real and to love in a real way that the world could see. Love from the center of who you are. Let love be without hypocrisy. I have a lot more to say tonight, but I am um, I'm not going to because we're running out of time and I have I have four four ways that you can live authentically that I'll finish in the coming weeks. But if you will really examine, you know, who you are 
and whether people are really getting to meet you. Something happens when we become authentic. The perceptions of the world transform. They're transformed into what they often perceive as Christians that are uptight or rigid or judgmental or not compassionate and isolated to people that are full of integrity, people that have moral courage, people that are compassionate, people that are loving, people that are kind, people that are helpful, people that are reliable. That's what the world's looking for. In my experience in the last, and I counted tonight, 48 days, more than anything else, God said, I want you to love authentically. I want you to love people around you from a place that I've loved you, but I want you to do it in a way that's real, that's not put on, that's not required of your job, that's not required as being a Christian, that's not expected of you, but love people. Do it in secret. Do it in ways people will never know. Love people authentically. Think we can do that? The number one complaint, I promise you, of anyone that walks into, when I say the church, I just mean the church in general. You all are a warm, amazing, I mean, this, I would rather be here than any other church in, in, in the world. I promise you that. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd rather be here than any other place in the world. Because you guys, what I love about the composition of the people in this church is most of you have gone through something and you're real. We've had some doozies over the years. We've had people uh, go to testify and say some four-letter words in the middle of their testimony because it's all they knew. We had one lady that was playing Duck, Duck, Goose. She lost her mind in the service. was bumping. That, that same lady, her form of worship was to be up here doing snow angels. But there wasn't snow. I'd rather have that. Recently had a, um, a friend that, that um, lost, uh, not necessarily a friend, but uh, somebody that was well-known that lost a baby. Was born... Um, much bigger, much older than my daughter. And they lost a baby. Um, and she went through 40 hours of labor to deliver her baby. And knew the whole time it wasn't going to be delivered alive. She had to deliver it. It was born having already passed. And they posted pictures of the baby on Facebook holding it, loving it. And uh, what I loved about their response is they said, you know, this is not okay. We love Jesus and we know that he's with us, but this is not okay. We're angry. We're upset. Oftentimes it's been seen as a lack of faith or a lack of trust in God or a lack of whatever. When somebody goes through something, if they just say, oh, it's great. God's got me. No, no. We go through things, and they're painful. 
Jesus encountered the people in the, in, in the temple that were throwing around money and using it for profit and gain, what did he do? He didn't say, well, the Lord's, you know, God's with us. He got real. He expressed emotion. He got angry. He corrected something he knew was wrong. When he came to the tomb, I think, was it of Lazarus? They found him there crying over his friend. Jesus wept there over his friend. He took a moment out to cry, to, to, to be real. And he was God incarnate in the flesh here on the earth. And he said, listen, while I'm here on the earth, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna get upset. I'm gonna express the emotion that's inside of me. I'm not just gonna say, well, all is well, move on. Meanwhile, inside, we're just raging with emotions and, you know, and, and all of the things that are going through our mind. But God's really, I, I really believe he's calling this church up to a place where we will be so authentic and real with one another that if you're going through something, I want to be there to help you. And if I'm going through something like where I am now, you have been there for us. And you haven't been like, oh, everything's going to be fine. You're like, I know you're tired. We're praying for you. I know you're upset. I know things are, but God, you know, we're believing alongside of you. We're here to fight with you. We've had people in the church that have said, I, I will go down to your house and clean and do laundry that have never been in my house before. Drive all the way down to Venice and work 14 to 16 hours trying to get our house clean and in a position and ready so my wife didn't have to. Begging to do our laundry and, and, and ironing our shirts. Guys, that's what authentic Christianity is all about. I can't even tell you how moved with emotion we've been since, since this has all happened. And I've seen this expression of the authentic love from God. And the thing is, is it's ministered to me, but I promise you, there is a world of hurting people that don't know who Jesus is. And one tablespoon, one teaspoon, one little drop of that on their lips. And I promise you, they will never turn back from following after Jesus. It's not just for one another. You know? It's all right. Let's bow our heads together. It's okay. It's my closing music, apparently. I just go with the flow. They could be playing, they could be playing Jethro Tull back there, and I would be fine. I don't know. I just thought of the first person that came to mind. I couldn't name one of his songs. I think he plays the flute. Father, we thank you, God, that you... Lord, you're asking us to be authentic, Lord. The, Lord, the scripture in Psalm says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you've crafted us to be unique and, and express who we are, God. And Lord, we ask that you use us, Jesus, to be real and authentic with those around us, with you, God, with how we're feeling and what we're going through, Lord, and with the world around us, that they would see the real you. They would know who you are through us, God. Lord, that they would open their hearts up. That, Lord, we would open our hearts up to one another. That we wouldn't stand in a position of judgment over one another. But, Lord, as we go through something, as one part of the body hurts, God, the whole body comes together to heal that part, God. As one person goes through some, something, God, let us, let us come together as a community to support that one. Because, Lord, there's coming a day when we're going to need the same support and the same love and the same encouragement. But help us pull down the walls that we've put up 
and the barriers that we've put up from letting people in because we've been hurt and taken advantage of, the times we've been authentic, the times that we haven't been fake, the times that we've opened up our hearts and bared our hearts, people have taken advantage of it. And God, I ask that those that have experienced that tonight, Lord, that you will renew their hope Lord, and those around us, Lord, that you renew their hope in you, that they would open their hearts again and know, God, that, that we can create something. We can, we can be a part of creating a, a culture and an environment where we're so real and authentic with one another, God, that we, we learn to love each other through anything, through any difficulty, through any mistake, through anything, God, because that love looks like yours. You, you had the ultimate expression of what it looked like. We just thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just tell him, just say thank you, Jesus. Just tell him thank you for helping me be authentic and tear down the walls that have held me back being real with one another say Lord help me to be real come on let's just tell the Lord say Lord I want to be a light on the hill I don't want to be hidden under a basket anymore I don't want to be hidden from the world I want to be a light shining on a hill I don't want to love with hypocrisy but I want an authentic love, a real, genuine expression of you. Help me do it, Lord. Help me, help me know what it looks like. Help me follow in your footsteps. We thank you, Jesus. You're here to help us.